Thank you guys for being here today. My name's Heather. I am Bo's wife. I am stealing the stage today, and I'm not sure how he feels about that. So <laughs> no, I, I um, approached Bo a couple weeks ago and asked if I could teach today. I just felt like the Lord had kind of laid something on my heart, and I wanted to get up here and share a little bit, and um, I knew it was you know, October's Pastor Appreciation Month, and I was just thinking, you know, I'd really like to do something to kind of honor my husband and my pastor as well, and and so I um, convinced him, even though it was hard, because we were gone last week, and so he wasn't able to get up here and teach, and so he's itching, you know, when, when you're passionate about something, it's hard to take a break from it. So anyways, he's ready, so all of you guys that are here, come back next week for the real guy, for the real deal, he will be back in action, so... Um, you can be kind of disappointed that it's me today, but you can also be kind of excited because I talk really fast when I get nervous, and so you're going to beat that lunch crowd, like I usually say. So anyways, um, as some of you know, here at Thousand Hills, a part of our code is that we tend the herd, and we've talked about that a little bit, but today I want to talk about the idea of tending the herd and kind of what that looks like here at Thousand Hills and what Bo does to tend the herd that we have here at Thousand Hills and how in our own lives, all of us have an area of influence. We all have people that need tending. Uh, so we all need to be tending our tribe or our area of influence or just kind of whoever that, that is for you. But first, I want to kind of talk about what it means to tend something. I think sometimes we say things and we read things and we don't really think, you know, what does that word really mean? Well, the definition of tend is to take care of something. And as you know, if you, especially if you have kids or anything that you're kind of in charge of, it's hard work to take care of stuff. It's, you know, it takes, it takes a lot of effort. This past summer, um, well, my grandpa, he always has been a gardener, like, like a master gardener, you know, sell at the farmer's market type of guy. And so I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, plant a garden this year. And I, I know that that's just so dumb because it's so unrealistic that I'm going to be able to keep up with it. And everything I water dies. And the more I try to water it, the more it dies. And But anyways, I decided we were going to plant a garden. And so, you know, when you tend to a garden, it takes a lot of work. You've got to, you know, plant the seed. You've got to protect it from, like, you know, deer coming up and eating all of your stuff and, you know, everything else. And you have to pull the weeds and all this stuff. And... I don't know about you, but, you know, when you're gone for any, you know, certain amount of time, when you come back, that garden is like, it looks like you have not worked in it in a year, right? I mean, the, the, we went on a, a little trip with family to Branson, and when we came back, I mean, I was like, where's my plants? It was just weeds all over, and it takes a lot of work to tend something. Maybe you're here, and you're a rancher, and you tend cattle, and you know that that takes work, whether it's you know, 10 below zero outside or 110 degrees outside, you still have to tend your herd, right? You have to take care of them. You have to feed them. You have to make sure they have water. If the windmill's broken, you have to fix the windmill. I mean, all those things that I really don't know anything about, but you do. It takes work. Um, but maybe you're a parent, like I said, and you have kids that you have to tend to their needs, and they always have needs, right? And it's usually right after you, you know, have had a long, exhausting day, and you just sat down, and, and they need something, right? <laughs> but so you, you know, you fix lunches, you prepare meals, you cook, you clean, you change diapers, you clean up puke, you hold their hair while they're puking, and then you clean the puke off yourself. I mean, it's hard work 
to tend to your, your herd of children. Maybe you're here and you have a job where you're on call and you have to tend to that job and you, you know, you're, you have to um, take that phone with you everywhere you go and you have to tend to all the responsibilities that you have and maybe that's caused you to miss, you know, your kid's birthday party because you had to tend to that, that phone call and it takes hard work to do that. Or maybe you're, you know, you have a job, but you're the boss, and you have to tend to your employees. You have to tend to those disgruntled customers that you sometimes get. You have to maybe, you know, do some hard things in that job, like lay people off because the economy is bad, and the, you know, your budget isn't what it needs to be to keep them on board. But all of that stuff takes hard work. Or maybe you're a student, and you have, you know, peers at school that you have to tend to, and you try to care for your friends and you care for their needs and you um, have to take on maybe some of the burdens that they have and, and try to be an encouragement to them. But the point is, all of us have tending to do. Every single one of us has an area of influence in our lives. And we have to take that responsibility to heart and take it seriously. And the same is true here at Thousand Hills. Um, Bo and our leadership work hard to tend the herd here. First Peter 5.2, it says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. And so as I, you know, settle in today, I want to talk about this idea of tending the herd, or like the verse says, being a shepherd of God's flock, as the verse says. And this job, um, I don't know if you're aware of being, you know, a pastor or an, or an overseer. It's not an easy task. I mean, you're dealing with people's eternities. You're dealing with people's spiritual lives, and um, and it's a lot. It's a lot of it's a lot of work, and it's a lot of just weight to to carry. And I wanted to kind of read a few kind of sobering statistics about pastors. And this comes from a book called The Dis Factor by Dr. Michael Spencer. Um, it says. 1,700 pastors leave the ministry every month. At first I thought, surely that's wrong. Surely that should say every year, right? That might be a little more, you know, reasonable or easy to swallow. But 1,700 pastors leave the ministry every month. It says 70% of pastors fight depression. Let me put that in perspective. That's 7 out of 10 pastors. You know, I was trying to think, you know, how many churches are here in Woodward? I mean, we probably have at least... I don't know, at least 10 churches. So if you think of seven out of 10 of those pastors quitting and leaving the ministry, it says 50%, that's five out of 10, 50% of pastors are so discouraged that they would leave the ministry if they had another means of taking care of themselves. 70% of pastors say they do not have a close friend. 50% of pastors who begin in the ministry will stop within the first five years. 10% of pastors who begin in the ministry will retire from ministry. So that's one out of 10 that actually start pastoring will actually retire from pastoring. 45% of pastors have experienced a level of depression to where they had to take a leave of absence. 50% of pastors' marriages will end in divorce. 75% of pastors will experience a personal critical crisis when in the ministry. And 75% of pastors say they are extremely stressed. 
And so you might be here today and you might be thinking, you know, why? Why? I mean, why are those statistics so just kind of defeating and depressing and sad? You know, why is pastoring so hard? Well, it's, you know, like that song that David just sang, you know, when the devil tries to break you, your God won't forsake you, but you have to be standing in your Savior's shadow in order to receive that strength. And I think sometimes pastors get so overwhelmed and so, you know, caught up in dealing with people that sometimes even they neglect that relationship with Christ because it becomes so, you know, hard to just keep up with everything. It takes work to tend a herd. It takes mental emotional, spiritual, and physical work to pastor. And I did, probably didn't truly understand this until, you know, I remember, you know, we would come home from church on Sundays and Bo's just like quiet. I mean, the, you know, wouldn't talk, just seems like he's like, you know, you suck the life out of him. And I'm like, well, you know, what's wrong? He's like, man, it's just when you get up there and you teach and you pour all you have into that message and, you know, you study and you prepare and you give it all you got, it just takes it out of you. And then uh, when when I first got up here and taught, I was like, oh, I see, I understand. I understand why you don't talk. Don't don't talk to me. Leave me alone. I need to just kind of recuperate. I mean, it's it's it takes a toll on you physically, spiritually, and emotionally. It's not a job where you go in at eight and leave at five. You never stop thinking about your job. You never stop thinking about the people of your church, and you're always on call. Um, and through the good times or bad, Bo tends this herd a thousand hills with all that he has. And trust me. He doesn't just work on Sundays. I, we get joked with that a lot. You know, what do you do all week? You just get up here and you preach for a couple hours and you're done, right? Well, no, he doesn't take Monday through Saturday off. He doesn't take the position of overseer at Thousand Hills lightly. And like it, the verse said in First Peter, it says he is willing. And I want you to know that your pastor here at Thousand Hills is willing. He's eager to serve. He's eager to make Thousand Hills the best that it can be for God's glory. Yeah. He pursues daily intimacy with Christ. And I know that he's kind of shared this a little bit, you know, recently. But he often wakes up in the middle of the night thinking about church stuff. I mean, God wakes him up. I mean, even this morning, I, you know, wake up to the light of the phone at 3 o'clock and he's on there reading stuff and looking at stuff because he, you know, because he can't sleep. And that's when God often plants a word in his, in his heart. And his mind never turns off, you know, whether we're on vacation whether we're at a horse sale somewhere, whether we're at a church conference, whatever it may be, he's always thinking of ways that Thousand Hills can better reach people for Christ. He's always thinking of new ideas, new things that we can do to continue to change and reach our generation and our culture. He seeks the Lord for wisdom, for guidance, and for vision. You know, before we started Thousand Hills, when we uh, lived in a different house and he was a pastor at a different church, I remember, you know, he was feeling called to start this church, and um, I woke up in the middle of the night because I was pregnant, and obviously that's what pregnant women do. They wake up often in the middle of the night, and I had gotten up to go to the restroom, and I looked out, and he was you know, I got up, and he wasn't in bed, and I went into the living room, and he was sitting in his recliner with his laptop and his Bible, and he was typing out the vision for Thousand Hills Ranch Church in that chair. I ne I'll never forget that moment because I thought, at the time, I was kind of struggling with this idea of leaving our church and starting a new church because that's scary. And I was, like I said, I was pregnant. I was due like in a month. And, uh, you know, here Bo's telling me we're going to leave the only source of income that we have. We're going to start a church. We have no idea how we're going to pay our bills. 
also no idea where we're going to live because we lived in a church parsonage. And it was, it was hard for me to swallow, I will admit it. Sometimes he has to drag me along a little bit. But in that moment, I think, is when I realized this is, this is from the Lord. You know, if, if he's up in the middle of the night pursuing God and God's, you know, planting that vision in him, this is the real deal and this is what we need to do. And so, you know, he deals, again, with the good, the bad, and the ugly of people's lives, as most of you know. I mean, he hears about affairs. He hears about divorces, about death, about financial problems, about addictions that people have. And he has to carry the weight of this and has, you know, people that depend on him for guidance and direction. And that's a heavy weight to bear. But I believe that Bo does it with excellence. He gives this church 200%. And I would say that every Sunday that he's up here, he pours out his bucket to you guys. And um, he does it to the best of his ability. He never takes it lightly. And so, um, and also, he wouldn't do anything, you know, he would do anything, not just for this church, but for the church. He's been known to cancel a vacation due to a funeral. You know, if someone passes away and he needs to go do the funeral. He, he cancels that, and he does it with an eager heart. I mean, like that verse said, he doesn't do it, you know, like, oh, dang, i got to go do this. No, he's like, man, I get to go, and I get to be with these people while they're hurting. I get to plant a seed, you know, for people that are going to be there that have maybe never come to church before. That's what goes through his mind. Um, he, you know, he's willing to go weld the caps on the building. He's willing to go pick up trash. Even this morning, he was found in the parking lot picking up trash before he came in. He's willing to go visit someone in the hospital. He's willing to fill someone up with gas. And he's also been known to buy a homeless person lunch. And not just buy them lunch, but sit on the curb outside the gas station and eat with that person. I would say he's the most generous person that I know. Um, and here's kind of a funny, funny story. It's funny now. It wasn't funny then. A few weeks ago, I came home. And um, I pulled in, and there was this guy that we, you know, we were working on, the, you know, the apartment that we'd been working on, and we had to hire a few things out that were kind of beyond our skill level. And um, I, I came in, and he had texted me before I got home. He said, hey, I need to talk to you when you get here. And I was like, well, no, talk to me now. Can I call you? And he's like, nah, I'll just talk to you when you get here. And I'm like, okay, is everything okay? He was like, it's okay. It's, you know, everything's good. It's just kind of hard to swallow. And I was like, oh, gosh. So, you know, my mind's wandering, and as you know, we have like a 25-minute drive home. So I'm driving home wondering, what in the world? Well, he comes inside, and I'm like, okay, what, what's going on? What's happened? What, you know, what's good? What's bad? Because sometimes what's good to him is not good to me, and, you know, his, our perspectives are a little different sometimes. And he said, well, you know, this guy was here, and uh, he was out in the barn, and I was showing him some things I needed him to do, and he, he saw our, our uh, lawnmower. And he said, hey, is that lawnmower for sale? And we had two lawnmowers at the time. We have a one, you know, the nice one. I don't know what they're called, the, uh, the turn, zero turn or whatever. John Deere, that's all I know. And then the other one's, you know, got the, you know, the steering wheel. Does anyone still use those? Have, have one of those too. And so anyways, um, he, he was asking if the one, our steering wheel lawnmower, our older one, was for sale. And Bo was like, well, sure, I guess, you know. And he said, I'll give you $200 for it. And so Bo said, all right, well, and he said, how about you just take one? And he said, take your pick. Yeah, guess which one he picked? The John Deere. Yeah. So Bo gave away our, our John Deere lawnmower. And I was like, okay, well, that's awesome. Like, you know, the Lord told you to do that. That's great. 
And I don't know why I really cared because he mows. I don't mow the yard. I'm like, if you want to go back to mowing with the old one, then go for it, you know. But I just think, you know, <laughs> again, I'm making myself sound like a real jerk here, but he did it with a happy heart. I mean, he's like, you know, this guy was probably super excited to get this lawnmower. And so that's the guy that you see on Sunday is the same guy that I see on Monday. He's the dad to our kids, the one that rolls around on the floor with them, wrestles with them, and plays. And so, um, and also, Bo, if you know anything about him, he doesn't settle for mediocrity. He strives to do the best in everything that he does um, and to improve all of us as leaders and, and as uh, the herd of Thousand Hills because he recognizes that this is the Lord's church and he wants to lead it with excellence. And a few weeks ago, we were in Tulsa. We had gone to Tulsa Fair for the pig show. And I was working out in the gym downstairs of the hotel or whatever. And you know how when at the gyms it'll say, like, no kids, you know, can be in here under 13. Work out at your own risk. You know, don't use the equipment if you're not being cleared by your doctor, all this stuff. Well, then one statement on there, it said, discontinue use at first sign of stress. <laughs> I was like, that's kind of... I mean, I know they have to put that in there for, you know, their own sake, but if we all quit when things first got hard, all none of us would, would work out or take care of ourselves, right? But when I read that sign, I thought, you know what? I'm so glad that Bo didn't quit at the first sign of stress, whether that was when we first started the church or now. I'm glad that he didn't stop at the first sign of stress. And so I want to say thank you, church family, for allowing him to take care of himself and encouraging him to take care of himself and stay healthy, both physically, spiritually, and emotionally, so that he can continue to lead Thousand Hills with integrity, grit, and perseverance. <clears throat> but the truth is, you know, just like tending this church, it's hard. But Bo would agree that there's nothing else he would rather do. It's the most rewarding thing um, that, that we can do as leaders. There's nothing like seeing someone accept Christ for the first time and entering into heaven and knowing that their eternity is secure. There's nothing like seeing, you know, someone it just click with someone and then realize, man, I need to walk with Christ. I need Christ to lead me. I, you know, and, and there's no greater joy than seeing a marriage restored. There's no greater joy, you know, than seeing someone who you know, was neglecting their family, turn around and become, you know, the man or the husband that they need to be and lead their family in the in a God-honoring way. And so while tending things are hard and all of us have things that we need to tend, there's great reward that comes out of that. But in order for us to tend the things in our lives that we need to take care of, in order to lead our families, in order to you know, to influence our friends and our coworkers and all these things, we have to be filling ourselves up first. And so the truth is, if you don't have Christ in your life personally, then you're not able to fully live out and tend to the herd that God has called you to. And you might be saying, okay, well, how do I do that? Will you accept Christ? You have to accept Christ personally. You have to have an authentic relationship where you involve him in every area of your life. It's just not a Sunday morning thing. You, you allow Christ to help you in every decision, excuse me, every decision that you make. You continue to grow in your knowledge of Christ and in his word. You stay connected to the church. And as we are influenced and grow, we are better equipped to tend our herd. 
So with that being said, today I want to briefly talk about three things that we do to tend the herd here at Thousand Hills and how I believe we need to do all these things to tend the herd in our lives. So first, if you're taking notes, number one is we feed the herd. One of the most important jobs of a rancher is that you feed your herd, right? You feed your cattle. You give them, you know, cake or grain or hay or whatever it is that they need. And just like a rancher feeds his herd, here at Thousand Hills, we provide spiritual food for you. Acts 20, 28 says, So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock. Feed and shepherd God's flock. His church purchased with, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. So how do we feed the herd at Thousand Hills? Well, we feed the word of God. Every week you you receive biblical teaching, which is the word of God. Joshua 1.8 says, Study this book of instruction continually, not just on Sunday, but continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So this verse tells us we need to study the word of God. We need to meditate on it. Why? Because it's the food that helps us to grow as Christians. Just like physical food feeds your body, nourishes your body, and allows you to perform any task that you have, spiritual food helps us to grow in our walks with Christ. And so we should come to church to be fed. I'm glad that you guys are here. But we should also be taking in more of God's word besides just on Sunday. I mean, we don't eat one day a week and then expect to survive the rest of the week. And the same is true spiritually. We should become self-feeders, meaning that we go, we leave here, we read our Bibles, we grow during the week, not just on Sundays. And some of you might be like, well, I don't really know how to do that. If you're like me, I can read, like I can read really well, but I don't comprehend what I read sometimes. I struggle to read the Bible. I struggle to study. I, you know, I get distracted. I can read, but I'm thinking about 50 things that I need to do when I'm done. And it's just, it was a kind of a struggle for me to, to read the word of God. So when I was in college, I had this hunger and I, I wanted to grow, but I didn't really know how. And so I sought out, we had a, you know, a campus pastor at, at our school and I sought him out, and I said, you know, would you disciple me? Like, would you help me to learn how to grow in my walk, how to read the Bible more, and, and all that? And so I met with him on a weekly basis um, at the church, and he discipled and poured into me and taught me how to read God's Word. So maybe you're here, and you need to seek someone out who's maybe a little further along in their spiritual walks and, and allow them to help you grow deeper. And when we read and grow, so when we're taking in all this stuff, we need to not just be spiritually obese, which means you come and you just take it in. You take all this stuff in on Sundays. You take it in Monday through Saturday. You read, 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 but then you never spew it out. You need to do that. You need to use your area of influence and feed what you're learning to them. So if you have kids, you need to be feeding them the word of God. And a way that you can do this, you know, on our way to school, a lot of times we have our kids have iPods and all that. And we have the YouVersion Bible app on their iPod or their phone. And we'll say, hey, read the verse of the day. And so we'll, one of them will read the verse of the day while we're driving to school. And then we'll talk about it. Okay, you know, what's that, what's that mean? How can you do that? How can you do that at school today? You know, how, and we just ask questions and allow them to think about God's word and think about how they can apply it to their lives, even at, you know, seven years old. And so we need to be feeding our kids in that area of influence. And, you know, our friends, trust me, we have friends, all of us have friends that are fighting battles that we know nothing about. 
And so we need to be equipped and ready to feed them the word of God. Um, maybe, you know, you and your spouse, you can start reading the word of God together. Maybe you pray over your spouse before you leave for work. You pray over in a job interview that they have. Maybe you call someone and you give them a, a word of encouragement. Whatever it is, turn, uh, tending our herd requires us to feed the herd with spiritual food. So first we tend the herd, and then the second thing that we do to tend the herd is that we protect the herd. So number one, we feed the herd. Number two, we protect the herd. Just like ranchers protect the herd, you put up a fence around your property so that, the, so that your cattle won't get out, right? You, put, you worm your cattle to protect them from parasites. You, I've done this before. I know what I'm talking about a little bit. They give shots. I've done that too. You give your cattle shots to protect them from disease. Maybe they're deficient in something, and so you put out a mineral block or a salt block or whatever to give them the nutrients that they need. Then just like a rancher protects his cattle, our uh, pastor seeks to protect the herd here at Thousand Hills. And you might be saying, well, you know, protect us from what? Well, look at, well, hold on real quick. I'm going to read verse 28. It says, so guard yourselves and God's people. So Pastors are to guard their church, they're to protect their flock, and then listen to the following verses, 29 through 31. It says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. So in these verses, it's saying savage wolves, which means enemies of the flock. So if a shepherd has sheep, you know, they protect it from, you know, animals that might come in and, you know, hurt, kill the sheep or, or whatever. And he's saying, you know, the same is true in churches. You need to, as the overseer, protect your herd from the enemy, which is Satan. It says, you know, he's prowling around, actively searching and he wants to destroy us and, you know, our church. And so he, again, the devil hates it that you're here. He hates it that you're here hearing the word of God. He hates it that, you know, you love coming to church or, you know, that you want to change and, and do good. And so he's going to look for any loophole that he can, any weakness to devour. And so we have to be on our guard. And I would say our pastor does his best to protect the herd. Trust me, I wanted to keep today kind of somewhat as a surprise for Bo, and it was very hard for him because he kept saying, you know, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And I was like, nothing. Like, I've, you know, I've got it. Don't worry. And it was hard because he wants to know what's being taught from the stage. He doesn't just sit back and think, oh, I'm getting the day off. Yeah, I'm just going to show up. No, he wants to make sure that, you know, if, if someone comes in and speaks or whatever, he always visits with them to see what they're going to talk about and, and share so that it lines up with what we're about here at Thousand Hills. Um, and we also have, to, if you notice in that verse, protect from within because it said they're in verses 29 through 31 about even from within your own number, people will arise. So that could be, you know, people that want to cause division, people that, again, gossip or anything that could derail the vision of Thousand Hills, he has to protect it from. And you might be thinking, well, I mean, is it really that important to protect the church? Well, here's another statistic. 7,000 churches are closing in America each year. And we don't want Thousand Hills to be one of those. <laughs> 7,000 churches are closing each year. And I read another statistic that 4,000 are starting. So if you do the math, we're, there's a little bit of a deficit there. So 7,000 churches are closing, and we don't want Thousand Hills to be one of those. And so we need to protect our church. And then the same is true with the area that you tend, whether it's, again, your children, your friends, your coworkers. We all need to protect our area of influence. First Peter 5.8 
It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The devil wants you to fail. He wants you to leave here today and not ever speak a word of truth to anyone. He wants you to watch your friend make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision and you keep your mouth shut. That's what Satan wants. He wants for you to not influence anyone for Christ. And I'm here today to hopefully encourage you to, to protect the area of influence that you have. You know, our, our son the other day, he wanted a game on his iPod. And we have it set up to where before they can get a game, we have to, you know, enter a password so that we can, you know, check out the game and make sure that it's not something that he shouldn't be, you know, watching. And let me tell you, just because it says it's appropriate for ages four and up, you still better do your research, parents. <laughs> we got this game and um, it looked innocent. The game looked fine. And so when we hit OK, like to download it or whatever, it popped up and it said, you must allow explicit content in your restrictions. In other words, you need to, before you could download the game, it wanted you to go to settings and you know how you have restrictions and you can allow certain content, explicit content or not. Well, the reason is that these people are so smart that they have all these advertisements, right? So he can be playing an innocent, innocent game, but then you have advertisements that pop up and it might be a girl who is not wearing many clothes and all these things. And that's what your seven-year-old sees. And so do your research, you know, as a parent, protect your herd, protect what's under your care. Um, maybe you have, you know, friends that you see, again, making bad decisions, and you know, man, I know that they shouldn't be doing this, or I know that they shouldn't, shouldn't go here or there. And I have a little, like, this is not real spiritual, but my daughter and I, our, our favorite show to watch is the Dallas Cowboys Cheerleaders. Does anyone, <laughs> does anyone love that show? We, we kind of like that show. I don't know why. It's just kind of fun to see people that are really good doing what they're really good at. And, and you know, you kind of think cheerleaders, like, you might not think it's that big of a deal. But those girls, they work hard. I mean, they are, like, the real deal. And there was this girl, they have, like, you know, a leader. So whoever's, like, the point of the star for the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders, she's, like, the leader of the squad or whatever. Well, the leader of the squad had a friend who was making some bad decisions. She was going against this contract that they have. They have to sign a contract. They can't. I think it was something about you can't, like, date the players, the football players. Well, I guess this girl was kind of breaking some of these rules, and the friend, the leader, she didn't do anything about it. And the, the ladies that are in charge, she said, do you just watch your friends crash and burn and not say anything? And I got to thinking, sometimes we do that because we don't want to hurt that friend's feelings, right? We don't want to speak that truth because they, they might reject it. They might think, I'm not going to listen to you. They might think, whatever, don't tell me what to do. But the truth is, if we love people, if we love our friends, we will fight to protect them and speak truth into their lives. So we feed the herd, we protect the herd, and lastly, number three, we equip the herd. So, again, going back to, you know, ranchers, they feed and they protect their herd, and what they're trying to do is equip their cattle either to reproduce more or, you know, they might... Um, like rotate in maybe different bulls to get a certain type of calf. I mean, I know my parents do this whole like, you know, breeding deal where they like certain traits from certain cattle. And so they're trying to equip that cow to have a certain calf or whatever. And the same, you know, is true, true for us. We need to feed and protect and equip our herd. And some of the ways that we do that at Thousand Hills is that we equip you with resources. You know, we provide relevant teaching, you know, every week. We 
have a next step booklet. Maybe you've seen it down on the info bar that tells you, okay, you've accepted Christ, now what? And we try to equip you on how to grow, how to become a self-feeder. We provide ranch groups Sunday nights at 5.30. You can join a ranch group and do life with people and equip each other. You know, there's people there that have gone before you, that have gone after you, that have, you know, experienced something that you might be going through, and they're able to, to do that life together and equip you to be a better Christian. We provide ranch kids for our children. You know, I'm so thankful that Bo and I aren't the only ones that feed our kids spiritually. They get relevant teaching up in ranch kids. Um, we provide ranch youth for your teenagers. I'm especially glad that my daughter goes to that. You know, I mean, we have this world that feeds into our children, trust me, but it might not be the type of feeding that we want them to, to partake of. And so ranch youth, but ultimately it's our choice on whether we are going to follow Christ. We can provide all these things and we can teach, but it's your choice on whether you're going to do anything with it. And so I just challenge you to equip your herd to have a successful life. Maybe um, you have a teenager and you want to get them a Bible that they can actually understand, right? You want to get them something that they actually enjoy. So maybe you look on the version reading plan and you find something that's sports related or whatever they're interested in, hunting or whatever, and you find a plan that relates to them. Maybe you have some friends that are struggling with purity in their relationship and you help them set boundaries. You give them some ideas of some boundaries, you know, that they can have. Maybe you provide accountability for a coworker. Maybe you have a coworker who's contemplating, you know, having an affair and you're able to, you know, visit with them and, and encourage them that that's not God's will and you can equip them with some accountability. Maybe um, you have a, a friend or a coworker who's depressed and they're just struggling with life and you offer to help find them a great counselor. And then maybe even beyond that, you go offer to go with them to that first counseling session. Whatever it is, equip the, you know, the people that are in, in your life. Tend to the herd that God has called you to. The other day, I had a friend call me, and she had had a, was just crying and had a bad day. Her son had gone through some stuff at school, and I, you know, she was calling me to, to tell me this stuff. And in that moment, I thought, you know, I'm glad that I read the word this morning because the word that I read said, don't be anxious about anything. And so I was able to tell her, you know, don't be anxious about this. The school, you know, whatever's going on, just pray about it. You know, the Lord's going to take care of it. And had I not been in the word that day and had I not been reading and, and feeding myself spiritually, I might not have had anything to share with her to equip her to fight that battle that she was fighting. And so make sure that you're tending to your own needs as well spiritually. But we need to be busy tending the herd that God has called us to. So if you would bow your head and, and close your eyes. I just want to close this out and just, you know, ask a few questions. You know, what herd has God called you to tend? You might be here and you might be thinking, you know, I don't really have an area of influence. I don't really, I can't really think of anyone that, you know, that needs me. Well, that's not true. You know, there there's people all around that need you know, from a smile to a hug to an encouraging verse. Maybe there's someone in your life that you know is going through a really hard time and you're not really sure, you know, what to do about it. Or maybe you think, well, I don't really know them that well or, or whatever. You know, send them a card, send them a text, send them a verse. You know, the word of God is life to our body. It's life to our soul. And if you will share that with people, it could change their lives, literally. You know, so are you growing in your walk with Christ so that you can better tend your herd? 
Are you protecting those that you're able to influence? Are you protecting your kids? Are you protecting your marriage? Are you protecting your friends? You know, like it said, the, the devil is prowling around and he's just looking for an area of weakness to attack you and your area of influence, your family, your kids. And so you need to be protecting that herd. And are you equipping them to cling to Christ and pursue him? Are you equipping them to be the godly person that God intends for them? And if not, start today. It's not too late. Maybe you're here and you think, I've, you know, I've messed things up. I've, you know, been down a road and I've, you know, ruined my family. I've ruined, you know, my job or whatever. Well, you know, if God can use someone who used to kill Christians and change his life to where he began saving people for Christ, he can do that same thing in your life. The same God that was with Paul back in the Old Testament is with you. But maybe you're here today and you think, you know, I've, I've never tapped into that power. I, you know, I'm not feeding myself spiritually because I don't even know how to do that or what you mean. Well, what it is is you, you need to accept Christ personally. Jesus came to this earth. He died on a cross so that all of our sins could be forgiven. So none of us are worthy of that. None of us deserve it. But he did that as a gift to you. And so maybe that's you and you're here today and you think, you know, Heather, I've never really had that moment in my life where I've accepted Christ, where I've invited him to come and live inside my heart. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? You bet. Thank you. Well, you can change that right now. Just like I said, if you would just pray this simple prayer with me. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that you died for my sins. I pray that you would forgive me where I failed you and that you would come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior. It's that simple. And if you prayed that prayer and you meant that, then the Bible tells us that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And so now I just, I just want to pray and just um, we'll finish out today. But Lord, I just thank you so much that you're so accessible. I thank you that you love us, the good, the bad, and the ugly of our lives, Lord. And I thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins so that we could spend eternity with you. And so I pray that um, we would take advantage of that, God, and that we would read our Bibles more and that we would grow, Lord. The Bible truly does change us, Lord, when we read it and when we take it in, when we memorize it, when we apply it to our lives, it'll change our lives. And so I just pray for anyone that's here today, Lord, that um, desires to change and desires to lead and, and to influence people for you but they're not really sure how to do that lord i pray that you would help them to know that the first step is just being willing lord and that you would um you would bless that bless that willingness and i pray that you would just use us as vessels this week lord that we can just speak a word of encouragement to someone that we can show your love to someone whether it's through a bible verse that we share with them or through a trial in our own lives that we've gone through to encourage someone else or buying them a a Coke, Lord, whatever it may be, I pray that you would help us to influence those around us and show your love to everyone that we come in contact with. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for just the the people that are here and just the uh, the spirit that, that is here with us each and every week in this cell barn. And I thank you for Bo and the way that he leads us. And I pray that you would just continue to 
bless him and use him to attend to this herd here at Thousand Hills and that you would just uh, protect us and help us to go out this week and just make a difference for Christ. It's in your name I pray. Amen.